Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Paul says it like this. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. And we use those weapons to knock down the strongholds of, I love the way it says in the New Living Translations, of human reasonings and to destroy false arguments. See, human reasoning is simply the thoughts that I have that oppose the truth of God. It's so easy to become consumed with your own thoughts, isn't it? You begin to think about a situation or decision you have to make, and soon that's the only thing you can think about. Well, David kind of got into that place regarding Saul's trying to find and kill him. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the importance of keeping your mind and thoughts focused on what God has told you and what He can do rather than relying on your own strength for wisdom. Using your limited thinking instead of the unlimited knowledge of God is a recipe for frustration and failure. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 27 with today's edition of Lessons for Living. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Samuel chapter 27. 1 Samuel chapter 27. And if you happen to be new tonight, welcome so much. Glad to have you with us. 1 Samuel chapter 27. We're doing the life of David. It's very interesting. Lots of very practical applications for us in, in the scripture. But David thought to himself. But David thought to himself. Everything bad starts with these words. David thought to himself. You know, why do I say that? Because the scripture says this, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, when we start thinking about ourselves, And about our situations, all of those things have a great impact on what eventually we will become. Now, we have a little idea of what David is thinking. We have a little idea of his mental state. Those of us that are humans, we've all been through something like this. We get a little discouraged. If things don't change, we become a little despondent. And then, to be honest, everybody here has been depressed at times. We just don't seem to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, 
couple passages in Psalms, you can kind of get a feeling for David where he's at here. Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in time of trouble? In Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, how long is, is one of those times when we're, we're hurting? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Now, the reason I said everything bad starts with those words David thought to himself is because this, God is nowhere near that sentence. He's certainly not in that sentence. David doesn't think at this point that God is for him. David begins to think that God's really against him, and the only one that is really interested in what's happening, maybe even he's thinking God's aloof, but he knows one person is definitely against him. That's King Saul. And this is what gets David started. Now, it's easy for us to pick this up and go, well, what's wrong with you, David? But remember now, this has been years that David has been on the run. He is kind of thinking to himself, look, I can't stand this pressure anymore. Uh, Saul's going to, you'll see in a moment, Saul's simply going to kill me. And God, I know you wanted me to be king. And you can hear him saying this thing to himself. But to be honest, I just want to go back being a shepherd boy again. It was a lot easier. I mean, you have lots of other people you can pick. Even though Sammy's dead, you can get another prophet and anoint somebody else. I, I, I'm, I'm not really interested in going on. Now, I'm reading some things into it. But I don't think I'm reading very far, because I think that's what happens. You see, when, when we leave God out of our thoughts, we're left thinking like a human thinks. And if I'm depressed, then those kind of thoughts are going to come out. Now, remember this verse a few chapters before, which would have been probably a month or six months or two years before, First Samuel twenty three fourteen. day after day, Saul searched for him. David remembers that part. He's never been done with it, but he forgets the last part. Look at, but God did not give David into his hands. So all David is thinking about, he just remembers the first part of that verse, but he's taken God out of his thinking pattern. David has forgotten all the times that God has come through and delivered him. Over and over and over again, starting with Goliath. When we get that way in our life, we forget the past. But we don't only forget the past. David has also forgotten the promises of God. He is anointed for the next king of Israel. God knew his future, promised this in the future. But David, not knowing the future is thinking the opposite. So David is at the proverbial fork in the road. Here's a picture of it tonight. We've all been there. You'll be there this year. I'll be this year. Lots of decisions. Do I turn to the right or do I turn to the left? What should I do? Now, if my thoughts are about me, I'm going to make the wrong turn. I'm going to take the wrong fork. This is what David, here's where David's thinking is. It's this plane totally. 
It's nothing but the horizontal. He's looking around. He sees all the situation. And he's thinking this way. But see, he's forgotten to look up. He's forgotten to look up. So he's only thinking this way. And when we get to those proverbial forks in the road, what we end up doing if we don't ask God, we simply do this. How do I see the solution? And when I see it, if it's not been good and if I've been under pressure for a long time, I only see it one way. This is miserable. I want to give up. I want to throw in the towel. I'm through with it. Now, interesting, look back at verse 1. Look at the rest of it. But David thought to himself, look at his first thought. One of these days, I'll be destroyed by the hand of Saul. So any of you there, when you got depressed, went so far out that you were really, really not even in realism. You just took the fear and been there. This is what David's doing. Now, remember, what had God promised? He'd be the next king. So what are you going to do with Saul's going to kill me, but I'm going to be the next king. What are you going to do with that? There's no God around. It's only his thoughts. Let's finish. You might want to circle these words because this is where we go. The best thing I can do. The best thing I can do. Remember we talked, the best thing I can do, very limited opportunities. The best thing I can do is to, and this is another one you want to circle. We'll talk about it a lot tonight, is to escape. What's a common word for that? Run away from it. The best thing I can do is run away to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I will slip out of his hand. So his depression, his constant pressure, and don't make light of it. Don't don't make fun of David. You've not been there. This constant pressure has him not thinking correctly. He's in despair. And his answer to his problem is to run in fear. It is simply to run in fear. If I can escape this, I'm just going to run. I'm just going to run. First thing I want you to write down tonight is this. Fear makes us do foolish things. Fear makes us do foolish things. Now, listen to this amazing story from Spurgeon. One of the great pastors, teachers, preachers, maybe the greatest in the 18th century. Spurgeon says this, I can remember on one occasion to my shame being sad. By the way, he had trouble with depression a lot in his life. Being sad and doubtful of heart. And a kind friend took out a paper and read to me a short extract from a discourse about faith. I very soon detected the author of the extract. My friend was reading to me from one of my own sermons. That'd be embarrassing, wouldn't it? He goes on. Without saying a word, he just left it to my own conscience. Smart man. For he had convicted me of committing the very fault which I had so earnestly declaimed. Are you fearful tonight about your future? A future of a son or a daughter or a grandchild? Are you fearful tonight? Fear does not come from God. Fear comes from Satan. Fear and faith 
our enemies. Faith comes from God. Fear comes from Satan. Now, we know, because we've been going through this series, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. What I know is happening. Some of you may have been depressed as you started listening to the series, the whole New Testament, 28 minutes a day. But the more you get the Word in you, the more faith is building, and the more the light on the tunnel is beginning to shine. And I'm praying for some of you who have really been struggling. And by the time, even before, but by the time we get to the end of this, that tunnel is going to be full on light. And you're going to see that there's no reason to be fearful. Because fear comes from listening to the lies of Satan. Now remember, and I'm going to spend a little time in this because I think it's important. The battle is here. It's between these two ears. It's our mind. And that's where the battle goes. By the way, in a moment, you're going to see a scripture. Let me just read to you. Sometimes we think this battling is not much of a deal. The way we think, it's, it's not that important. It's hugely important. It's hugely. Remember Jesus, right after he was baptized in the Spirit at the Jordan, he headed off and the Spirit took him to 40 days of spiritual warfare. No eating. No drinking. Let me read it to you. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, where he'd been baptized by water and then baptized in the Spirit, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Did Satan know exactly what to say? Yes, he did. You're on a diet, and and you're on vacation, and you're up early in the morning, and you're just going to have a cup of coffee. And you go into that shop to get the cup of coffee, and you forget to read the sign that says, Pastry Bakery Shop. As you walk in, do you smell coffee, or do you smell something else? You smell something else. There it comes. And whatever you like, you can take, it's, it's right there, isn't it? And the coffee, forget the coffee, where is it? How many of those a dozen right there? I'll just take those, see? So this is exactly what happens. Now, where did you begin playing that out? You begin playing that out in here, but you begin thinking about, that's going to taste really good, especially with this new fresh cup of coffee. Well, here's Jesus, 40 days not eating, and what does the enemy talk about? Bread. Now, if you're Middle Eastern... Bread is huge. That's what they live on. So notice how Jesus responds is. Where is the battle going? It's in the mind of Jesus. And he says this. It is written, man should not live by bread alone. He takes it away from the physical and moves it right to the spiritual. Now I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you will. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We have a lot of stuff. I'll give you a few keys to write down because this is important for all of us. David's going through this. He will learn later how to handle this. We're to learn from him. Because all of us, I'm bombarded with thoughts all day long. And really, as you know, our thoughts come from three places. Ourselves, David said to himself. They come from God and they come from Satan. You just saw Satan put a thought 
in Jesus' mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, get down to verse 3. I'll read it tonight in the, the New Living Translation. Paul says it like this. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. And we use those weapons to knock down the strongholds of, I love the way it says in the New Living Translations, of human reasonings and to destroy false arguments. See, human reasoning is simply the thoughts that I have that oppose the truth of God. That's kind of what pagans do. Their reasoning eliminates God. So human reasonings are the thoughts that we have that oppose the truth of God. Now, verse 5. So we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and rather teach them to obey Christ. So Paul talks to us about how we can get this mind healthy. Bottom line, we want to think like God thinks. I don't want to think like I think. I certainly don't want to think like Satan thinks. So how do I do that? I'll give you three keys tonight. They come from this passage. Step number one, we have to capture the thought. In other words, we have to recognize it. And here's what I would encourage you to do. You won't have time to do it tonight the way you like to write in your Bible. But later, you want to go to your Bible, and in 2 Corinthians 10, just write these keys down. Because you'll be here time and time and time again. And you can just remember these three little things, and it will help you significantly. Maybe I missed this step and this step and this step. I'm not saying these are all the steps there are, but this is a way to make sure we're thinking right. Now, remember what we're talking about here. We're not talking about a war that we're fighting with human ways. It's the spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. And we have spiritual abilities that God gives us to fight this. So number one, we have to capture the thought, recognize it. Satan knows our mind is the battlefield. He knows this truth, and we're bombarded with things. Now, Satan wants to control our thoughts so he can control our actions. Did you get it? He wants to control our thoughts so he can control our actions. You already heard me tell you the principle. As a man says in his heart, so is he. So he becomes. So he acts. So Satan wants to control my thoughts. And later we'll see that God wants to transform my thoughts. So if Satan can control my thoughts, then I'm going to be in trouble. Because here's the kind of thoughts that come into my mind. They come into your mind as well. We had a lot of fun. We went through a little bit of this in the pastor staff. We have an hour meeting every week with all the pastors. We kind of went through a little of this. And these guys were claiming, you're from the enemy. You're from Satan. That thought was from Satan. They were having a lot of fun. But really, it was true. Because we talked about these. What kind of thoughts come into our mind that Satan brings? Well, they're carnal thoughts like these. Thoughts of lust, pride. Anger, fear, greed, bitterness, get even thoughts. All of those kind of things, they don't come from God. They come from Satan. Now, recognizing that these thoughts are not from God already tells me I have to do something with it. If I know that this thought I'm thinking, 
And God helped me recognize it. Be alert to the way the enemy brings these thoughts into mind. If I recognize it, then God will show us how to deal with it. So the first thing is, if, I, if this thought comes into my mind, and I'm dwelling on it, and I'm not even trying to think about, well, wait a minute, is that, is that, is that from God, or is that from Satan, or is that just one of my thoughts? That's not too hard. The longer you serve, that, that's easy, because you know what the thought is. So we have to capture it. I have to recognize I'm alert to the enemy. Satan, you brought that in for a reason, and I recognize where that's come. Here's the second thing you want to write. Then I want to challenge the thought. In other words, I want to stop it. I don't want to just say, well, that thought's from Satan. Let me think on. No, you're going to be in trouble. When we start to think in this carnal way, we must stop our thoughts, take dominion over them, and not be conformed to this world. So let's go for a moment to Romans chapter 12, and you'll see what Paul was talking about. See, Paul knew where these thoughts would come. When I think of David, sometimes I think of Paul. Because Paul's life was kind of like David's in the early going. I mean, everybody was against Paul. When he went into town, he just kind of asked, you remember, he'd go into town and ask, where's the nearest jail? Because he's probably going to end up there. That's the way his life was. Shipwrecked and beaten and all these kind of things. And yet, Paul was able to seemingly control it better. He was able to understand the, the devices of Satan better. Of course... He had the Holy Spirit in him 24-7. That helps significantly. Look at Romans 12-2. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Now just stop and look at me. How is God going to transform me into a new person? How is he going to transform me into a new person? A person that does the right things. How is he going to do that? The answer is the next few words. Let God transform you in the new person by changing the way you think. You see, the way we think is the way we become. The way we think is the way we act. It's not the other way around. You don't act like this, and then you start thinking about it. No, thinking precedes acting. And that's what happens. So notice what it says. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. One of the other translations says, let God transform your thinking. So I can't destroy these strongholds by myself. I need divine help. I need God. So I ask him to help me to stop thinking about this. The only way we can combat those lies, by the way, is truth. And we know that truth is God's word. So what transforms my thinking? We won't turn there tonight. You can just write in your notes, John chapter 8. It's around 30 to 33, somewhere in there. Here's what Jesus says. If you'll obey my word, if you'll abide in my word, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Today, Pastor Mark talked about how common depression and fear are, even for those who are considered giants of the faith, a real thing. You were reminded about the importance of staying close to God, knowing that He loves and is guiding you. Well, this can help to resist the temptation to wallow in self-pity. Staying immersed in God's Word can also help stabilize your walk with Christ. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue teaching about the importance of maintaining a positive biblical attitude when faced with negative events in your life. He will teach about the importance of having God's attitude about life rather than the attitude of the world system. He will instruct you how to take hold of your thoughts and align yourself with God's thinking. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, The Life of David. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.